0: everybody guess what the question that you've all been asking me for like the last six months yes we are doing a podcast we're back so Yay. my name is
1: Yay. <laughs> Yay. Hey us. we're back we didn't disappear <laughs> for Hartley.
0: this is kelly dixon uh one of the editors on better call saul and i'm here with vince gilligan hello and the co-creator peter gould hey and guess what we have a special guest mr bob odenkirk hey Yay. guys thank you <laughs> Also, um, I'm uh, I'm sort of co-hosting this this time around with um, my assistant and sometimes co-editor Chris McCaleb. Hey,
2: Kelly. Hey, Hey, everybody. Hey, Chris. (laughs)
0: Chris. You can address me as Chris or Mr. Chris. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine.
1: Such a big board for four mics. (laughs) 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 It is. It's too much. Overkill for sure. The Rolling Stones made "Exile on Main Street" on. Here we are talking. (laughs) So, uh,
0: so it's Sunday, it's um, so uh, the yes. Sunday, the January 18th, 2012, um, 2015. Okay, just check. Um, we are gonna air the show in about three weeks. That's right, the air show it airs in about air three yet. weeks. Um, we've been working on the show, well, we've been working on the show since uh, June, but Peter and Vince have been working on the show for about the last two years,
3: yeah. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about that right quick? Yeah, we. Uh, this is these ten episodes are going to start airing in the next two weeks. Represent. What is it, Jesus? What is it now? It's mid January, uh, like 13, 14 months yeah, of uh, it's like, straight it's work. Like
4: Fourteen months since we opened the writers' room. Yeah, it was 14 November. Months, right? Yeah, but yeah, the writer.
3: You guys were
0: working on this way before the writers' room. You guys were working on it during, I think season five A, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Yeah, we were talking a lot about it. Taking yeah. Peter and I taking long walks. Uh, all around Burbank that's, all around that's what we're calling them yes. that's
4: <laughs> <laughs> anywhere there were there were where we could find a beer
3: but in in earnest uh, the writer's room opened about 14 months ago and uh jesus Here I, you are, man you know we, I, we were fast you guys didn't <laughs>
1: So so wait, blindingly fast. So so at this what is, point... It's
3: like, there's people working in network. I've got to be someone listening to this thing who's like, work, who works in network and is saying, you bunch of pussies. I and and you know what? I, I apologize to you right now. You are correct. It should not have taken us 14 months to do 10 episodes. I believe the well, Empire no, but State but
4: Building was built faster than this show. It probably was. But,
0: but you were reconceiving you know, a, a world, basically. You were reconceiving, yeah. so that doesn't really count. But
3: America used to build liberty ships at a rate of one a day. Wow. And then it took us 14 months to hey, do Hey, I'm 10. sitting
0: here trying to save you guys. I'm I know, <laughs> not, you know what,
3: I don't, I don't feel, now that we put it, uh, now that we're talking about it, I don't feel like we deserve saving. It's, it's unconscionable. <laughs> but I gotta well, tell you, actually, these 10 we're gonna, episodes were real prime. We won't do well,
4: season two instead, we're just gonna build a Liberty ship. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's our announcement. Well, 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 I, I, let me ask you this, easier. so, like, kind,
0: <laughs> oh, no, of, kind of right quick, so you guys were like talking about this, like, I remember back um, when we were editing season five A, like the later parts of season five A, and I remember you guys talking about it. at what point did you start talking Talking to Bob about it, when, that's like a, when when you know was it going to be like a thing? Well, they've
1: asked me a million times that question, and I always talked you about. You probably don't even remember it, but everyone joked about the spinoff when I did the character. Like immediately, people joked on the set about it because he's such. I think because he's such a sort of loud character, such a strong character, and um, and then my. And then I think it was when I came for the second, my second season, your third season of Breaking Bad, and it was in the hallway over by the water cooler, and you were there. So it might have been the first, but it was probably the last show if you directed the final show of the third season. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe it was I probably then because you were working. Yeah. And you just said, "Hey, what do you think about that spinoff idea?" That's the first I remember. Okay. And I was like, "Well, I don't know. You know, what do you think? <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> write it." Uh, and you <laughs> said, I, "I think that there might be something there." Yeah. Do you remember that
3: I, conversation? I, I vaguely. And I, after
1: that, it would just be something that we'd all talk about. We'd well,
4: talk yeah, you'd ask that. me. A, you'd ask me about it, as I recall, a couple of times. Please, say, please. Are, give me are sure. you guys really? Is, are you serious? You guys serious yeah. about it? And I'd be, yeah, maybe so. Talking to the. No, we're oh, talking to oh, you, Peter. I, oh, they're we're they're all waving I'm looking. at Bob. Here we go. I'll okay. just do. I'll do that. There we go. We now go. you can hear me. Yeah. What? You'd, you'd I, ask I'd, occasionally. I'd ask.
1: Sure. It's a. It's a pretty. And, and big I would. Deal. And
4: what would I say? I'd say, No, it's not serious. It couldn't happen. It's impossible. You know, it was
1: always sort of. Uh, uncertain but kind yeah. of like you guys had a curiosity a genuine curiosity about it yeah th- that i could tell was honest oh yeah. uh, i just didn't want to be apply any pressure at all because yeah. it's uh, you know honestly it's too big a dream to have somebody write such a wonderful <laughs> character for you and two writers of your caliber to to do that so it's just like it's like somebody asking you would you like to win the lottery how, what would you do with the money? Let's talk about it. It's like, you know what? It's not worth talking about. I'm not going to sit around and start yeah. planning what I'd do if I got hit by uh, a bag of gold. You know? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, what do you mean? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I just yeah. I got things to do that are real. <laughs> I got suffering to do. Well, you, uh, were,
3: you were always, I recall, you were always very sanguine about it, and you were always very, uh, um, what's the word, fatalistic about it. You You were always... You always were, yeah, that sounds like fun, but you never, Yeah, and I nor did. should you, because you've been doing this a long time. You've been a professional for a long time, and you know there's a lot of emotional ups and downs in this business. And so.
1: there's such a journey to getting a show made. Okay, such a yeah. long, even if you say, yeah, we're going to do it, it's still a long way away, yeah. and there's a million pitfalls yeah. on that road. Yeah. That's, so I, I just tried to not be hopeful, not pressure, and just – Say, but at the same time, be positive, <laughs> and just kind of cross my fingers and keep my
4: mouth shut. Do you remember? <laughs> so, do you remember what you said at the uh, Breaking Bad rap party? Yeah, I remember. What did that you say? Good joke. What did you say? That was a good joke. I said, "The Breaking Bad rap
1: party," and we're all saying goodbye to the was whole the, crew. Was like
0: this the end, the last rap party, That's
2: the right. final one, the, final final
1: one. Rap the rap party. series rap party? Okay. It was a okay. big party. deal yeah. and a great
3: party. Yeah, it was a great party.
1: And I said. TV series are ultimately judged by their (laughs) 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 spinoffs. Big laugh.
0: That was great. (laughs) Um, So when you, I mean, because there's been so much written about the, you know, sort of the genesis of this whole thing, so I don't want to keep repeating since we don't have a whole lot of time. (laughs) Um, We're
3: going to try not to ramble on this set of podcasts (laughs) like we wind up doing on Breaking Bad Um, podcasts.
0: But, uh but, Good luck with that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, kind of skipping forward when it actually really became a deal, when you when it was going to happen, and you guys actually started to mess around with you know what it was going to be. When I first heard about a Saul Goodman spinoff, and I think a lot of people thought this, that it was just going to be Saul Goodman without like, Walt and Jesse. It might have been all the other things that were happening, but I never thought that it was going to be like Saul Goodman before he was even Saul Goodman. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we knew it would be a prequel, but I had no idea it was going to be so
3: pre that it wasn't, it wasn't even Saul. I, I was just apologizing very neurotically and profusely about how long it took. But the truth is, it took what it took. Let me put it this way. We started off, this whole idea started off in season, probably season two of Breaking Bad as kind of a joke. Very quickly we realized this was not a joke. We goofed around in the writer's room and Breaking band. Hey, you know, when we're doing the Saul Goodman show, and thus, and thus and so. And The truth is, Saul Goodman is a great character, and he is endlessly fun to write for, As from a writer's point of view. It's fun to put words into Saul Goodman's mouth. And it's, he's just, but he, but we started to realize, we, we realized it was, we really wanted to do this. Uh, and about the time, uh, I guess, you know, by, by season three of Breaking Bad, I was saying that to, to Bob on the set. And, hey, what do you think about this? Because what started off as a joke is no longer just that. And this idea grew uh, and snowballed. But then, you know, you take it. Because we were talking with those long walks. We realized, what is this show really about? Yeah,
4: we started wondering. Well, because the, it's, it was a weird position to be in because usually – you're desperately trying to get someone interested in your idea for a TV show or movie. And here we had we had these uh, companies that we liked and were they were a lot of a lot of executives who were kind of waiting to hear what this thing would be. And we had to take and a Bob breath, and, and Bob was too. Yeah, yeah. And we had to take a breath and say, well, what what is it? What would be fun about it? What is there to say about this guy that could sustain, uh, you know, umpteen episodes. Yeah. What is there? What is that? And also, I, I think it was a question we had to ask ourselves, what is it about this guy that intrigued us? Because I think instinctively we knew there was a show there. Yeah. And, the, and it's, it's one thing, but you have to follow your instincts and then you have to sometimes you know, back them up with some logic. And in this case, uh, you know, we would, we would ask ourselves a lot of que- The question that we always talk about is, what problem? Does becoming Saul Goodman solve? Which I, I drew us to asking who was yeah. this guy before he was Saul Goodman? I remember we
3: took a lot of walks, you and I. And we did, we drank a bit, but mostly we mostly we actually did walk. True, we did. I can remember the block we were on in Burbank when okay. you said that question the first time. You said suddenly you were quiet for a while and you said, What is what is the problem that becoming Saul Goodman solves? Mm-hmm. And that was I love that line so much of yours, and we we've been saying it to ourselves ever since. Because a big issue for us in the early going was Saul Goodman, the guy we meet in Breaking Bad, is pretty confident and pretty. I mean, this guy is clearly comfortable in his own skin. Mm-hmm. He he is comfortable with who he is. Really, nobody else in Breaking Bad was was that comfortable in their own skin. Uh, maybe in a weird way, maybe uh, Walter Jr. Maybe uh, you know. Really, not that many other characters were that comfortable and relaxed and confident with themselves, and that is what we all—I speak for myself—that's what I wish I were in real life. I mm-hmm. wish I could attain that mm. right. level, yeah. right. but it makes it damn hard to build a build a story around a protagonist who's that who's that hip and cool and 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 relaxed and at ease with himself, because you want that more. If I'm using this right, you want that more Byronic hero yeah. or that I'm probably using that wrong someone's going to probably going to send an email or something but it, you you want that character that's more <laughs> tortured
4: yeah. yeah i mean it's
3: easier it's it's easier to write that character that's more tortured uh, mm-hmm. who's got an itch that he or she can't scratch you always that. ask
4: yourself what you have to ask in every scene in every every moment what does this character want and the more the character and it's you know people talk about uh liking a character and i think yes likability is, is there that is a real thing but ultimately i think what really what really engages us is is desire. Yeah. you know you really a character who doesn't want anything is a, is inherently kind of static it's yeah and this this guy and it, we had to kind of dig into this guy a little bit to find that well of, of yeah. imperfection and desire and, yeah. and, and and desperation and sweat yeah. that kind of makes for a, a real dramatic character.
0: So <laughs> I mean when you guys were talking about this, when when did you start to involve Bob in there or Bob when did you start hearing about that you weren't going to really be Saul Goodman yet?
1: Oh, uh, well, there was so many there was kind of a slow progression in the in the meetings that I took, which weren't many, very few and sort of far between. It was like initially you guys said maybe it'll be a half-hour comedy. We did. We yeah. talked about I mean, that.
3: <laughs> the sky was a limit in those early days. Yeah,
1: it could have been anything, could have been for a network. Yeah. And yeah. uh, and then oh, we met at the chateau, and you had good. some backstory and okay. some ideas about where he came from, but it was still uncertain how yeah. much drama or comedy or yeah. I don't even think you had settled on a one-hour drama yet. Um, we were closing in at that point. You were closing yeah. in, and then I think after you know uh, months later, and they'd been working for months and working hard for months, then I heard really a lot of backstory that became this show uh i yeah. came here and you told me that great story you talked Vince talked for about 40 minutes and it was an amazing story it made me so happy and i was like that's not all backstory right we're gonna see that right <laughs> it's so good and we do see it so
0: and, let me ask you this i'm gonna put you guys on the spot a little bit here um you know bob is an accomplished director writer on his own yeah, I'm what how directing. much <laughs> how much uh, uh, excellent writing Excellent. Okay. All of, and <laughs> but, it, but it, how much did you guys involve Bob at all, in maybe in writing some I of this stuff I at didn't all? You any want to write of
1: the show? I I I always tell uh, Vince and Peter sort of my little inspiration feeling, my gut feeling of something that sparks me, by saying you don't have to honor this at all. But I mean, if I helped, if anything, I said, I said uh, about the hair. On the phone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was wait, looking, wait, I was was looking was, at the script. I was in my office. You were describing it to me, and I go, "I got an idea for the hair. I got an idea for the hair." Oh, this is breaking back. back. Though,
4: right? This is Breaking back. Yeah, yeah that was when I then, first talked to you. actually. Yeah. And then yeah. you and I, I actually, as I recall, I don't know, if Vince, Vince wasn't available. You and I, I went to your house, and uh-huh. then we, we were we were Googling different hairstyles right. and talking <laughs> through what this guy, because I think that the uh, you know every every performer has some way into the character yeah. I think for you it was through through the hair
1: yeah yeah, yeah. it was it was two things it was yeah. through the hair yeah. and it was Robert Evans uh, telling a story which yeah. I do not do an impersonation of Robert Evans I don't mm-hmm. not at all but the fact is I there's something about his cadence the way he switches up his cadence and has a little bit of a lilt or a song somewhat to his voice and uh, when he's telling a story that I think about a lot, and I think it helps me get through the longer, you know, passages of of Saul where he's weaving a usually a an argument uh, to try to snow job somebody. <laughs> although, although right there in the uh, in the first episode is there's that that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You tell. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a great yeah. example of where I would think about how can this be surprising all the way through and and catch you off guard and build and you know just be good storytelling fun to listen to um what were we talking about though the character oh and, and me helping with the writing no i don't i really don't help with the writing at all and it and and it all comes from when i first did the character on breaking bad and it really was almost the first time not the first time but almost The first significant time where I had a part that I got to play that was well thought out. You know, a lot of comedy is kind of, um, you know, I'm not saying comedy writers don't work hard. They do. Uh, But there's a lot of freedom in comedy to change things up. There's There's not a lot of subtext unless that's the joke in comedy. And... So, you know, that's why in comedies and you hear certainly about Judd Apatow's comedies where people improvise, you know, many different versions of a scene like many and even with different sort of uh, story almost to them. You know, like now try it where you're not, where you don't want to have a divorce. Wow. <laughs> well, isn't the movie called The Divorce? That's okay. Let's just, let's see what happens if you do the scene and you, you're asking her to get married again. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, there, there's just this wide berth of if you, if it's funny, it'll work. We'll figure out a way to make it work. And so, uh, Breaking Bad and Saul Goodman was the first time I had a script where every line mattered and there was every line paid off the way the line was structured mattered you know and that's why when you ask the guys uh or the writer because the writers come to the set invariably if you ask about a line why is it structured this way i mean the simplest line Where'd I put my hat? Instead of I can't find my hat, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it has a there's an answer to why I don't say I can't find my hat. There's a reason he says where'd I put my hat, and and they'll explain it to you, and and so um, it's it's a challenge. It's an it's a it's a new challenge in my life of taking a script and and really with Saul Goodman and Breaking Bad, this is the first time I had this, and I said. And there kind of wasn't time to have a lot of interaction with me and the guys and I saw I guess I probably sensed fairly quickly that there's a subtext to everything and there's there's things being laid down that pay off later and echo later and when somebody like again if somebody asks a question a certain way oftentimes it's because they have a limited awareness that they're expressing with that line presented that way and if they said it a different way it wouldn't Uh, represent what they understand exactly the same way do you know what I mean yeah so so that was the first time I had a script that was that um, well thought out and uh, had that much meaning put into every line and then the challenge of how do I memorize this word for word Which is not to say I always do it word for word, but I get as close as I can. I really try to. You do, absolutely. And 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 then how do you make that like sound like real conversation, like the way that line is structured? How do you say that so those words come out in that order? And it's a challenge that uh, I enjoy uh, taking on. Like it's fun to go. Yeah, you could change the order of these words or. change that line a little bit and it would sort of mean the same thing if, if that came out of your mouth a lot of times actors are this doesn't come out of my mouth easy right and, and that, that there's a place for that there's definitely a place for that but I actually have found a great challenge and joy in okay it doesn't come out of my mouth easy it comes out of Saul Goodman's mouth
2: though. <laughs> mm-hmm. it doesn't interesting. come out of my mouth <laughs> interesting.
1: so how why and then that tells me who he is you know, maybe a line is maybe if you if you said a line was overwritten or too long, you could go back to the writers and go, can you just shorten this? Or you could say this character is figuring out what he's saying as he's talking, which Saul Goodman, I think, does a lot. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he thinks on his feet a lot. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He, he pitches something to somebody and it's not working and he changes his tack. Well, and and so that's fun to me. And it's new and fresh in my life. I, I really, I'm not uh, sugarcoating it. I really enjoy going, how do I do? I don't I don't want to know. It's like, Kelly, I've only seen the first episode. And That's I know we have criminal now. i want. just <laughs> no, But I, I don't, I want to watch it the way people watch it. I want to no, watch okay. it on TV. All right. I actually said to Peter, didn't I say? I was thinking you, like, what if I did. don't I said to my wife, and I met, I mentioned to Peter. I was like, because ah, after we were done shooting, I was yeah. like, what if I is would it be okay for me to ask if I cannot see the show until the show's done running? I was wondering Absolutely. why we hadn't like, seen but, you and like the last six months. But I can't. have to do DVD. <laughs> we well, yeah, gonna yeah, ask yeah. you. You can't. You can't. It can't. It doesn't sustain. Well, I hear you. You can't do it. But if I had my choice, yeah, I worry about going on set and picturing myself saying certain lines because I've seen it. Yeah. Like, I don't ever want to see that. I don't ever want to see uh, me doing the character in my head as okay. I do it. Okay. I always mm-hmm. just want to be that guy and feel the inner drives and feelings that he feels and never think about how it looks. Okay. And I'm just worried a little bit about seeing it. I, mean, I think I could do it. I mean, I yeah, honestly, yeah, oh, yeah, I can, I can yeah, watch yeah. it and, and, yeah. and clear my head and get to work and do the do yeah. the job. I, I think And I think it's in this day and age. You, you have to watch DVDs. You have to do commentary. Yeah, that's
3: true.
0: Another question I have, though, is I remember talking to you in a couple of the podcasts for Breaking Bad. And I remember one day you were you were really very, very concerned about your acting and, and you were very, very you cared so much because you really want You had never really done this kind of work before. Mm-hmm. I, that's the way I remember yeah. it. I don't want to put words in your sure, mouth. Yeah. But um, I was just really impressed because you know, it's like we, at the time, I didn't really know you. I only mm-hmm. knew what you were bringing to Saul Goodman. Right. And I remember you being really, really concerned because um, you were now put in a room with Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul and you yeah. wanted to make sure that your game was as high. Yeah. And sure. um, Yeah, that's for sure. I, but those were like scenes. And now you basically were going to have to carry a show mm-hmm. and you're practically in every scene. Right. Yes. And I don't know if you remember or not, but I worked a lot of late nights, and I was—I remember working on episode two. I, I emailed Melissa Bernstein, and I just said, "Can you please tell Bob if you ever get a moment that I really appreciate how much work he's doing, yeah. because we could just see the amount. First of all, just the 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 sheer amount of work that you have to do, and that you were so bringing it. And I just wanted to make sure that." that you knew that we appreciated it. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, saw,
1: I got that message okay, from good. her, and good. It, meant, it meant a lot to good
0: because I you know and I'm not trying to put you on the spot but it was just like when, when we read the script I was like Hol- holy cow yeah, we I mean, for about God's it. Yeah. sake oh, yeah. you know you guys have given Bob a lot to do no, and, you and, know? and I can tell you from a writer's <laughs> and I'm not saying that he can't do it but Jesus even Brian didn't have to do this no, much Walter Every White didn't freaking freaking have as much script. dialogue
3: no you know? it's absolutely true Walter White did not have as much dialogue as, uh, as Jimmy McGill does and uh, soon to be eventually to become Saul Goodman uh, and uh, and even in that pilot, Walt wasn't in every single scene. Yeah, and, and that's what and, I meant. And, uh, it's like, it, I'm not, is, I don't want yeah.
0: to take it away and miss, and, mis- and may, I don't want to misrepresent that I think that Brian didn't have as much to oh, do. Oh, God, no. no, um, no, no I, but, but it was just like the sheer amount, and you were having to be in practically every scene, if not every scene. And it was something that, from in, in thinking about that old podcast, I was thinking, Bob is. You know, he's concerned about doing the two or three scenes he may have in one show, yeah. and now he's in every scene. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: it's there's a lot of sides to that. One is I, you've, I finally stopped count, counting my lines. <laughs> I never counted my lines, but there are actors who do. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. They count their lines. Oh, yeah. The amount of work uh, was difficult at times.
0: I heard that you that you've gotten this thing down to a science where you're living well, like an athlete and you practice and yeah, like you're yeah, like looking yeah, at what yeah, comes yeah. next the next day. Yeah, I do, and I do.
1: That's what it became. Ultimately it became <laughs> like you really plan out. You plot out the next two weeks. You're constantly looking at the next everything, the next four days, the next week, the next two weeks, and you can see where those windows are, where you're yeah. gonna do the bulk of the work and where you're gonna uh revisit and and you build yourself up to big things like the scene in 10 which we were just talking about yeah. oh no we and can't talk about that you yet. can that's okay if you
3: leave it at that you don't need yeah, to do. um right.
1: and and then you have to worry or you have to deal with the issue of what about the day after that scene yeah. you can't just build up to that scene there's there's more shooting the next day <laughs> right. so yeah. uh and what i found is um is that if I work with the ADs, we have amazing ADs, um, Brett and uh, Anna. Yeah, Yeah. Brett and Anna. And uh, they are the ones who make the schedule, and then they they started coming to me halfway through the season and going, okay, how does this look? And they would try to build in a little bit of a break where I needed one to brush up on a scene or whatever. But the thing is, you can't, it's not just a memorization contest, you know? it's about gathering your energy and your focus and that's what it becomes about i mean learning all those lines is it's hard but the good thing is they make sense and the the issue though is acting it and 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 bringing the right energy and maintaining it through the whole day and through the whole week and so it all becomes really it's like what am i going to eat and i remember years ago mm-hmm. ben stiller who's always been really careful about his diet and yeah. exercise and we were doing the ben stiller show and yeah. He was, like, asking for certain foods. And, of course, I, I was like, what the hell, man? It's comedy. Be cool.
2: <laughs> eat shit. I'm going to eat shit. You eat shit.
1: He had more to do than me in that show. I didn't know if I noticed that. <laughs> But then you hear about like athletes and like uh, professional cyclists and how they weigh their food. I don't have to do that. But I really have to like make sure I'm gonna get my sleep, yeah. make sure I, I can't eat a big dinner and then go do a scene for five hours that right. takes energy yeah. and, and bring the energy to this guy yeah. that he has, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so it really is like planning and planning. And, it, and also, and a lot of it is rehearsal. Because by the time you do it eight times, and by the time you put it up with another person, it changes. Let's leave it at this. It's,
3: it's, it's got to be, it is a hell of a lot of work. The words come out of his mouth so effortlessly. And that's one of his superhero powers, for my money, I think yeah. we talked about in the writers. Well, yeah, it, and you said he thinks really, really fast on his feet. He thinks wow. faster on his feet than anyone, than you or me or anyone alive. And that's, that's why we're watching his story. That's why we tune in. Hopefully folks will uh but but i mean it sounds like it's a hell of a lot of hard work to make it look that easy
1: well thank you i hope it does look easy because that that is my biggest concern and i always walk away almost always walk away asking the director to please note the take that felt the least effortful (laughs) (laughs) and usually they do usually they go no no that's yeah that's the one what you're seeing when you see me do it is take is if you include all the rehearsal, yeah. uh, it's take forty-seven.
3: <laughs> no, that is not true. <laughs> we you yeah. include the rehearsal, we we. Uh, oh, including the rehearsal. Yeah, I mean like the oh, that we're not even. Oh, yes, that we're not we're even not, there for. Oh, yeah. I no, I'm saying. I'm oh, saying gotcha. there is
1: days where gotcha. when you get a speech up to speed or a, a scene up to speed, and you go, now let's just do it five times. We're gonna do it five times. Mm. Right. Just fucking. It's not about like making notes after everyone or. Yeah. Any yeah. of that shit. It's just we're gonna do this five times, and even yeah. if it goes great on the third and fourth time, you still do it the fifth time, and we just do it. And yeah. what's fascinating is in the
4: in the editing room. And I th- this is what I found. I'm sure Kelly and Vince will agree, and Chris that you you see little changes. You see even when you know sometimes there's direction in between, but a lot of time, like you say, it's just you just roll again. And there are these little these yeah. little variations, these little things that happen that sometimes make it feel which what you want which is like it's happening for the first time yeah. and that's the this the great thing about uh, you know we're talking all this about work yeah uh but the truth is it you know it feels like it's happening it feels like you're in the moment it feels like it's happening for good. the first time and yeah. uh i i don't feel like i all of us when we sit here sometimes we say god bob's really good but a lot of the time we're talking god jimmy Oh, Jimmy. Jeez. Yeah, we're not even thinking about Jim. Bob anymore. Yes, we're, right. thinking we're thinking about, about Jimmy. Yeah, we're, we're definitely, good. yeah, I will say that.
0: I didn't want to get too much into it because yeah. we're only on the first episode. And I kind of wanted, like, our audience to kind of come at that organically yeah, like you, we did. you guys don't know it yet. But but uh, this, but it was, yeah. yeah, it was Jimmy. It's, it's really... You
1: used immediately... I, See him as a character. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. forget that we know it's you. It's
3: and which yeah. was which was also what happened with Brian Cranston mm-hmm. and and Aaron Paul. We forgot that we. And knew I
1: think them. and I want to say to your question no, of do I thing help thing with too, the writing and stuff. I think one of the things that's great about me not trying to influence this at all is these guys and the writers' room write a story of a character, and he comes. He doesn't come from where I come from. I mean, we're both from the Chicagoland area, that's what it's called. Um, But outside of that, he is not me, and that's great. And I wouldn't want him to become me. I don't want to read it and go, I wouldn't do that. Like, I don't ever want to think that. I love reading something and going, wait, what is that? That's not from my world at all. That's not how I would handle it. And discovering a person who has those motivations, who has that story, it's... Yeah, that's nice. the joy of it. Nice. Well, it's
0: funny because what you just said, Vince. It, you know, and I was thinking as I'm listening to you talk, as well. And I'm sitting here looking you straight in the eye, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, I don't really know you very well. We've had conversations like this, you know, a few right. times. You guys know Bob way better. But you even said, well, we forget that we know you. We yeah. forget that we well, know. That's but that's I true. will tell you right now, I feel like I really know Jimmy McGill. Yeah. And you are not him. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, it's, the same. it's like, I mean, yeah. and I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just like, I'm going, God, I feel like I really know Jimmy McGill, but I don't hardly know it, you. And, I, you know, and I work with That, that him sounds like praise day. to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah that's you know. what I, that's yeah. the way I mean it to be. It's like, yeah. no. I guess before we really should get into the episode, but one of the questions I have is that when we used to talk to Brian about reading ahead or finding out what was going on ahead, Brian always said that he didn't. He like was not wanting to know. Like he never talked to Vincent, these guys, about what was happening or what was going to happen because he felt like Walter White needed to make decisions on his feet and he 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 wasn't given that much. Um, how do you feel about this? Because basically, wow. this is a different issue. You, you have created a character that's in the future that mm-hmm. is Saul Goodman, but now you're playing his backstory, which you don't know at all either. And that's like a different issue for an actor. I
1: feel exactly the way uh, Brian did. I mean, I don't want to know what happens next. But you do and, know
0: what the future is. Uh,
1: yes and no. <laughs> I mean, look, that this is a question for Vincent Peter. Okay. And I have said this and I hope <laughs> if you read it you're not insulted but or you find it interesting or maybe true that I think you guys enjoy painting yourselves into a corner. You're right. I mean mm-hmm. So look, I know you sweat your asses off in this your brains out in this room. You have must have the thinnest brains. <laughs> they muscle, they're all muscle. It's, it's they're pure up for muscle, the rest the rest, of, the rest of us. Yeah. I get it. I mean I get it. It's so it's so wonderful when you discover the solution, the answer, the story yeah. that makes sense, that yeah. resonates and fits and yeah. is organic. Yeah. And it must feel like a gift oftentimes yeah. Yeah. because right. you can't find it, you can't find it, you can't find it. It's all your earnest, honest effort. And then all of a sudden, yeah. it sort of sorts itself out or comes to you. At the same time, you guys seem to amp up the pain or the... We uh, <laughs> Challenge, which is artistic. understandable, understandable <laughs> too. It's like let's make it harder for me, but they—they're the ones who have to deal deal with the. We already know who Saul Goodman it, it becomes
0: at that point in time, or at yes. least to
1: some point in this right, story, yeah, because right. we, we don't know right. where right. the story is we'll going to go. We'll see. Everybody's bringing back, but I, the only thing that you have as an escape hatch <laughs> is um, Saul Goodman that we met in Breaking Bad was a persona, right? And he said That's to true. Walter White. Mm-hmm. My name's not Saul Goodman. Right. I'm James McGill. Yeah. He said to the audience, I'm not who this is the, yeah. who you're looking at is a facade. Right. It's a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. presentation. Yeah. So that gives you some wiggle room. Yeah. Having said that, they are the ones with their backs to the wall. And like <laughs> he has to end up being this guy. Okay. Or he has to end up he has to get there. Yeah. Because you know, I mean I've argued that the story could go into breaking bad years. It could go post Breaking Bad years, you could continue because now you're telling a story of a person discovering themselves, making some choices that work for them, and uh, as you know how life goes, you then have to make other choices as time goes by and, and yeah. life and the world change around you. And
0: Well, that's actually a really good segue because I actually heard about the script before I read it. I heard from our music supervisor, Thomas Golovich, who says... Yes, it starts at the Cinnabon. I'm like seriously, no, yeah, yeah. and so I was very excited. So yes, we are post Breaking Bad at that point, and and Saul Goodman is not Saul anymore. I don't actually it's a guy named Gene. A, Gene, yeah. that's right, right. He's a guy He's named, a guy named Gene. Gene. I didn't cut this one. I apologize um, to people for not knowing it as well. I did not cut this, and we only I've know seen that it from a seeing his uh, name play. Yeah, on I've his, seen it. His his it I've there. seen it about I think twice now. Yeah. Um, And um, so we end up at the Cinnabon in Omaha, Nebraska. And we start out at Breaking Bad. I mean, we start out in black and white, Breaking Bad. We start out in black and white, and Vince, you directed that episode, so you want to sort of talk about... Um, at why you decided to start us at the Cinnabon, which I think is great. Yeah, um, well, that's why definitely. you decided to start in black and white. And also, can you talk about the location? Cinnabon, Cinnabon
3: by Cinnabon's the way, been very good to us. They've been very, very good to us. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they've
4: been great. You know, when we first mentioned Cinnabon back in Breaking Bad, and I remember that Cinnabon's Twitter account. The moment that uh, I heard about this later, the moment that that episode broadcast, they put up want ads for uh, for the Cinnabon, in <laughs> in. Uh, in, Omaha. in Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska. Yes. <laughs> so, Cinnabon, Cinnabon was Cinnabon was watching Breaking Bad. They were obviously yeah. Saul Goodman fans, Yeah. and uh, they were they were really helpful to us on this episode. And, too. and
3: why why was it Omaha? Was it that was a shout out to our friend uh, friend of the show Warren Buffett? Was that was I, that because uh, that, that was five fifteen that you put that? I Think line that in there.
4: probably was a shout out to Warren Buffett, but also it just felt like uh, and, and you know it felt like that's that's pretty remote. A A long way, fairly long long way from from Albuquerque, and it would be cold.
0: I know that you had somebody from Cinnabon there in Albuquerque. several people,
4: several uh,
0: Cinnabon employees. They wanted to make sure Uh, that you did all the dough and all the stuff was like legit. Yeah. Well, we,
3: I mean, they didn't have to twist our arm. Uh, They wanted it to look like a real Cinnabon, and we wanted it as much as they did. Well, first of all, first of all, it is a real Cinnabon, and they call them bakeries; they don't call them stores. It was a Cinnabon, real Cinnabon bakery. At the mall, oh shoot, what the heck's the name of that mall? Cottonwood Mall, you can go uh, get yourself a delicious Cinnabon at that actual bakery, at that actual mall. Tell them
4: Gene sent you.
3: Tell them Gene sent you. (laughs) One of the uh, uh, top executives at Cinnabon is the lady in the hat uh, when the big guy in the bomber jacket goes out and Gene slash Jimmy slash Saul thinks that the guy's coming to him to arrest him or whatever the hell the guy's going to do. And then he walked big guy walks past. That guy did a good job, by the yeah. way. Uh, but the big guy walks past and hugs a girl, hugs a young woman. And there's two other women standing there. And the woman in the hat and the glasses is one of Cinnabon's top executives. Who used to, it's a really interesting company because the lady who we did not meet, the lady who runs the whole company, started off, I believe, as a Hooters waitress. And, and we were, you know, washed dishes and wait staffed and, and bust tables and did all that stuff and really worked her way up in a true sort of Horatio Alger kind of story. And uh, it's a really cool company. And I sound like I'm just blowing smoke because I do not have to sit here and say that it's a good bunch of folks, but they really were and and are. And uh, that was fun, it was fun shooting there. Why why black and white, Peter?
4: You know, I, th- I think part of it was the the, the the fun has drained out of this guy's life. And I think we were really, we just loved the idea of having a little bit, because so much of uh, Jimmy McGill's world and, Saul Goodman's world is about color yeah. and about clashing colors, draining draining the color out just seemed like the right choice. And also, yeah. we love the idea of, ha- of ending the teaser with that little touch of color yeah. in his glasses, yeah. which I think is, is, is yeah, just a wonderful... But you know, one thing yeah. that we, we haven't mentioned, though, is that, Bob, you actually learned to make a Cinnabon. Yes. And true. you made Cinnabons, and in fact, you made a shake that I drank that was delicious. And you did not, not get sick. Delicious. It was they were kind of <laughs> yeah, sloppy. Delicious. My yeah.
1: my cinnabons. I'm not sure they would have passed the test at the uh, demo bakery back in Omaha. They were very, but, they were uh, very indulgent. They, were, they were. I overdid them. I because I had no respect for how much uh, frosting to put on. I just put extra, <laughs> double, triple frosting. Um, uh, but she showed me exactly how to make them, and there is a system, and they're they're made out of what you think they're made out of. Everything you want to eat. <laughs> <laughs> were the other workers like real sitting about Yeah, the, the
3: two young ladies, the the, the, the very uh, cute young ladies who worked uh, with Bob. Uh, yeah, those are real workers were, in that. At, at really that, at that particular bakery. Yeah. yeah. Did they have to audition? They didn't audition per se. We we had a we had a scout day. Where we went to the Cinnabon, and you were there that you were uh, there that day, that and training. we were, yeah. and we were worried we about it because this was an open mall. It's not like we could shut this mall down, or even nor could we even shut the Cinnabon down. So we we asked in advance, Brett uh, Dos Santos, our AD, and Melissa Bernstein and uh, Nina Jack, our producers, figured out what would be a good time to go there where it was relatively dead, because we wanted as few uh, looky loos as possible, and you we showed up we took lots of pictures of the place and an art department and construction folks measured it and and our everyone figured out you know where we're we going to bring in the equipment blah blah and then you showed up uh, after we'd been there a little while and they gave you sort of a, a primer or a, kind of a kind of a quick crash course in making cinnab cinnabons the young ladies who were there working were both great you know, how could they not be good? The only, the only way you could not be good is to be too self-conscious, which I guess is a very real possibility. But the young ladies who we used were, they knew they knew not to look in the camera. If it had been me, I would have been like, oh, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is radio. You but can't see. This is now do,
4: looking at the camera. I would, I would, right. Yeah,
3: how do you not look at the camera, especially yeah. if you're not trained to not look at the camera?
0: So I guess getting on towards the episode, in this one you guys have decided to start, Jimmy off, basically pacing in the bathroom and trying to, you know, for his court case.
3: In the original script, he was urinating at the urinal. Mm-hmm. And you it's funny, this is the fun behind-the-scenes stuff, because I wrote the first half of episode one, the pilot, and you wrote the second half. I mean, we broke it, all of us together. Yeah, we Clear. all talked it. was absolutely, group. along with uh, Tom Schnauz and Jenny Hutchison and Gordon Smith and Bradley Paul, our, our wonderful writers. But that first half scene, I remember you saying to me, could Jimmy... Wash his hands before he goes into court. But I was afraid, as a director, I was afraid to slow things down from mm-hmm. washing his hands. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it because the original script, I had him urinating and practicing urinating. And Practicing his, <laughs> he was not practicing urine, I'm sure That's you know like, how to do that he's pretty very well. Good at it. <laughs> he's, he was practicing his lines for court while yes, he was eight, relieving eight, himself. Eight. And then we were on the day, so I think the script still reads that he's relieving himself. Mm-hmm. But on the day, it dawned on me, It's much better if he's in the bathroom, not doing what we normally do in a bathroom. Mm. It's much better if this is the only private space he could find to rehearse his lines for the upcoming court scene. And when that dawned on me, suddenly, Life got so much easier because now I didn't have to have him wash his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we didn't have to wait mm-hmm. for the special effects guys to rig up some kind of P-tube. But more yeah. importantly, it was better that way. Mm-hmm. So it was like, that's why nice. didn't... And that's one of those moments, like, why didn't we think of that six months ago? He's just in there because it's the only quiet place he can get.
4: And so. I, I love the way you shot that and the way the way you acted, about within it. Because we see his shadow. We see right. the movement of the yeah. hands. And, yeah. and it's you're really giving the character... And this is the first time we're meeting James McGill. This is this is this yes. is our first moment of laying on laying eyes on the guy who yeah. we're gonna be following for for the foreseeable future. And and it, and, and you give him a beautiful in- introduction. That,
3: well, in that th- well, th- well, then again, a product of a great number of minds sitting around this mm-hmm. very table in the writers' room before the script was even written. That was, can, that was the plan all along. Yeah, you can hear the
0: Saul Goodman esque. Stuff yeah. when he starts his argument yeah. for these three guys that have done these horrendous, heinous yeah. acts. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. The t- three knuckleheads. Like Great set, by the way. That's a set. That's not a real men's room. That's a set on on a yeah. soundstage mm-hmm. uh, designed by Tony Fanning, uh, built by W. Gilpin and his construction crew. Wonderful set. It's such a good set. That was. We were like, what more can we do in this as the season right. progresses? You know,
1: but we used it for the. Photos for
3: yeah. promotional photos. Yeah. That's yeah. a great one. It's a great mm-hmm. set. I was like, the fact that the courtroom starts off so quiet. I was so looking forward to directing that. Uh, courtroom just getting pieces Well, they're just waiting mm-hmm. for oh, well they're for waiting yeah. you know the show doesn't start until jimmy mcgill right. shows up but and also we were nervous about a great many things as we went forward with this show but one of them was that neither peter nor i are lawyers uh to say the least we know nothing much about <laughs> the, the opposite, law we We're the opposite of lawyers but we've seen a whole lot of law shows and it's all been done and done beautifully a million times before. So our big worry, right? Am I am I saying this correctly? Yeah. I know I am for myself. Is that how the hell are we going to top all the great law scenes? All the great, you're out of order, and you're out, or, or you can't handle the truth. It dawned on us the one thing law shows don't show is all the boring shit in between the great oration. <laughs> and you know, in real courtrooms, there's a lot of just dry coughs and people rustling their papers and people you know, squirming around in their mm. seats and there's a lot of boring silence and, and so we were excited to realize that's something we could do that would be different.
4: We spent some time actually in the in the L.A. courts, yeah. uh, sitting around in the L.A. courts. One of the things that we found was the lack of glamour. Yeah. yeah. And also frankly, the, and there's nothing against the law, but the lawyers, real lawyers are not necessarily all that well-spoken Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and in fact, one of the things I learned from having sit I sat in court for you know probably a total of about a week research on this show. I, I thought to myself you know, if I were in trouble, I would like this guy to represent oh me. yeah because he, he he would just absolutely be, he'd be just working his ass off be, and you yeah. just it's not something I mean not all due respect. it's not something you necessarily see every lawyer. Uh, giving their all to right,
3: every case. Right. Yeah, for 700 bucks a throw, this guy is working his ass off. So this guy, I mean, the lines, they're meant to be funny, but you're meant to be sitting there thinking, boy, this guy is selling as if his life depended on it, selling this jury. Mm-hmm. What did these guys do? And you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I love what we came up with all together in the writer's room. I love the fact that no one speaks a word in this in this courtroom except for Jimmy McGill I mean you hear the kids on the on, on the, the videotape but, yeah. but no one in the courtroom ever mm-hmm. speaks a word and the lead prosecutor does not have to because this thing is so goddamn open and shut I mean, these guys are cutting, cutting some corpses head off and having sex with it God, this is the guy I would want this guy it's a lost cause He's til- he truly, he he truly tilting at windmills, and yeah. he's he's given these these little three these three little scumbags the best defense anyone could.
0: But that's the point where we find out that Jimmy is work. He's he's not Saul Goodman yet. Mm-hmm. He's Jimmy McGill, and he's a. Uh, Public defender.
3: Nadine Marissa that, 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 that does such a great job. That was her line uh, that buttons the whole scene where she says, You have yourself a nice day. I love <laughs> that. And I, I love, that. <laughs> love that. She's wonderful. She is so good. She is. And that yeah. was not in the script. <gasps> he's actually, he's yeah.
4: actually one step below being a public defender because, you know, real public defender is yeah, an employee yeah. of the city. Oh, wait. Oh, of, oh yeah. The they city, work for the. the this is a guy who's doing overflow work. This is contract counsel. This is contract. Yeah. So, and this is this is again you know we our little peewee version of research which yeah. you know we just talked to a couple of lawyers that just we we were looking for the lowest the lowest point that yeah, this yeah, guy yeah. could be yeah. in and that's the the that's fact it. That, <laughs> that's it that's yeah. it right. you
0: know we find out that Mike is in the booth and oh, basically yeah. Mike's yeah. one of Mike's things is to make Jimmy go back and get more stickers. More validation stickers. Mike's wrong. Sorry.
1: I don't think it's just because I play Saul, but Mike is wrong. <laughs> in, in this, uh, you think can Hassle people, sweat people over a fucking sticker. I don't know. <laughs> Come uh, on. He's, but I mean, <laughs> he's by the book. by the book. By so, the
0: like, book. talk about that, where you guys decided, you know, yes, we're going to have Mike in the show, and and uh, we're going to start him out in the ticket booth. Well,
4: you know, yeah. the, 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 the part... The first... This is a two-part question, because the first part is... Uh, as soon as we thought this would be a real thing, the question was: Is there anybody? We, Bob, if we're lucky, Bob will agree to do the show. But who else from Breaking Bad do we know right right now? We want to tie down, and that was. I think we both looked at each other and said, "We've got to get Banksy. Jonathan Banks. Oh, yeah. We got to get oh, Mike yeah. trot. And, and Jonathan Jonathan was one of the actors. I, I mean, we had it was such a powerhouse cast on Breaking Bad, and they all brought it. Oh yeah, and but Jonathan, I, I will admit, was always one of my special favorites, yeah. uh, and that he's every time you'd write a scene for him, you'd he, walk away after he'd performed it and feel it. That's not just what I wrote. That is what I wrote, plus, plus, <laughs> plus. And he brought he brought so much depth and he's just an indelible character. Yeah. not a character who I think it was a character who emerged organically on yeah, that show. Yeah. And so we immediately thought, well, those two guys, If you got one guy who is crusty as hell, who's a man of few words, and then you have Jimmy McGill, who is just made of Shifty,
1: words. made of mouth words. They're, 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 I said the other day to an
4: interview, Jimmy
1: is the mouth, Mike <laughs> is the muscle, and there's no brain. <laughs>
3: Uh, actually, I love that line. But, uh, actually, both no, these guys are brilliant. They're both they smart. Are. Both. They are. But uh, uh, but
1: Mike has to suffer, Jimmy.
3: I don't think Mike is trying to stick it to Jimmy in this first episode. But yeah. I think he's just got his job to do. He's got to account for all the stickers or blah blah. But nice. it's just uh, you yeah. know, Jimmy from his point of view, he's out there saving lives. He's getting screwed, you know, by the by the city of Albuquerque. I also uh,
0: want to like not forget to mention. That as Jimmy walks out of the courthouse, he walks past that white Cadillac. Yes. And,
3: and that is the actual the, white caddy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that and, and
0: yeah. to the uh, that uh, that awful. What is it? A Suzuki, Suzuki, Suzuki Esteem, esteem oh, that he's got him driving car. around in. I gotta say, I was.
3: Love it. Uh, I gotta say, uh-huh. it's actually yeah. not a bad car. Uh, by all accounts, uh, our our transpo guys. Yeah. We're saying that uh, I mean, well, hell, I've never driven. I it. really you, enjoyed driving it. It's it's I, actually pretty peppy, I think. Right? It is peppy. But we it, and, loved, and I loved it. I love
1: driving it, man. I love. It's got a tight little radius it works on, and nice. you spinning it around. And Atlanta. this is something
4: that people don't it's know. Like about some Bob. A Shriner should be driving. We're really we're really impressed <laughs> by by Bob's drive. You, yes, you some I real got a lot of nice compliments on my driving. Driving, But The yes. way
3: you pull up at the end, you hit perfectly, the the, the edges of the frame at the end when you pull up in front of uh, uh, Abuelita's house, Mm -hmm. you you hit the edge of the frame perfectly. I think we only had to do one take of it, which was good because the sun was about to set. But uh, Suzuki Esteem, we we talked about what's going to be the Aztec for this new show. Man, it's a good car. And I was behind, you know what it is, there's nothing wrong with a car, it's just the name. So yeah. I was behind, I was it was like six, I don't know, it was like a year ago, a year and a half ago, where I was coming back from uh, Breaking Bad from the writer's room or editing or something, and I'm driving home and I'm behind this thing and I'm half awake and I look and I see this nameplate that says Esteem. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Is that the <laughs> name of a real car? Is that a real thing? I was like, and I remember getting to work the next day saying we've gotta use this thing called a Suzuki Esteem. Mm-hmm. We gotta use it. In there the, aren't many uh, of them. No, they're not that they many. Stop
1: making them here. Stop yeah. selling them here. Uh, yeah. They they sell like crazy. I'm told in India and China.
3: Yeah, and under a different name. But it, and they sold them here from I think '96 to '99 or something like that. I think I'm no expert on them, but it's a good little car. Just you gotta. You gotta be you gotta be a a, a confident uh, individual as a as an automotive executive to name your car the Esteem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Jimmy's um, sort of goal in this is to get the Kettleman's business. Craig Kettleman is a what a county treasurer? Remind yep. me. Bernalillo County um, Treasurer. He's a county treasurer who is embezzled. A uh, million and a half dollars, I think.
4: Yeah,
0: is that, that we, it that we know of? And um and so the Kettlemans are a you know a, a great like team of husband and wife. Uh, she's probably one in the driver's seat more often. And Jimmy's goal is to get the Kettlemans to, you know, retain him as their attorney. Um, so he meets at Loyola's, and Loyola's um uh, is a it's definitely a Breaking Bad uh, location that we've used. Mike and Jesse had their meatloaf together at Loyola's. He definitely, I think he met Lydia, Lydia at Loyola's. That's it. That's it. Um, Loyola's is a real restaurant in Albuquerque on Central Avenue. Mike and Jesse met there after dealing with Tucker. Tucker. Yeah, in the I front you right. And But it was at night. And Loyola's yeah. is not open at night, right? It's only open until like
2: three o'clock in the, in the, in the
3: afternoon. afternoon. Yeah, we tried something. to go there. And but so Loyola's a great shuttered. restaurant. I mean, yeah. most, most known. Uh, most known, again, for uh, for that scene with Mike, where right. we first meet Lydia. Really. Right. But, yeah, yeah. but so
0: you guys um, had uh, Jimmy meet uh, the Kettleman's. So can you talk a little bit about the Kettleman's?
3: The Kettleman's. Oh, man, do I love the Kettleman's. Uh, played by uh, Julianne Emery and uh, Jeremy Shamos. Uh, Craig and Betsy Kettleman. And
0: I will, like, throw a little bit because um, to... Uh to Fargo because Bob, you were on yes. Fargo with,
1: with Julianne Moore Right,
0: yeah. on Fargo. She's wonderful. Fargo season one.
1: Wonderful yeah. actress.
0: Yeah. Funny. Yeah.
3: Very different. Both of a- them. Very different
1: character very, on Fargo. she played a very different character on Fargo.
3: As far as I know, they never even met. Uh, God, until they're good together. They are mm-hmm. so good together. And Jeremy's you, in
1: Birdman. You know that,
3: right? No, I haven't seen Birdman yet. Wow. No, it's really good. I, I got to see great it, in it. Wow. Great. But they, they instantly felt like an old married couple and they are they so they finish each other's sentences they, they do they are so <laughs> funny together the pressure they, she puts they, him
1: on oh yeah pressure <laughs> she applies
3: is yeah, yeah so oh he is so whipped He's <laughs> He they, is.
4: Yeah. They, we don't do. We don't. As Bob says, there's not a lot of improv on the show, but every once in a while there'll be a, a, there'll be a, a little piece of them waiting for another character to come in yeah, or yeah. walking out a door, and they do these wonderful improvs. We've managed to to tuck a couple of them into episodes, but I think we could build a whole uh, DVD extra out of the Kettleman's muttering to each other. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs>
3: uh, it's worth saying that the Kettlemans. Uh, are important throughout the rest of these uh, this first 10-episode run. And and this is a good thing to say on both their behalves, in large part because the actors are so damn good. Usually, in, in a perfect world, I, I, I believe I'd like to have all the scripts written before we start yeah, a production on sure. the first one. But one good thing about trying to desperately write away as you are shooting is that when you see an actor or actress, in this case, just really crushing it, then you have the ability to do more with them. And so uh, suffice it to say, this uh, couple of actors made themselves indispensable and made themselves, therefore made their characters uh, integral uh, to the rest of the season.
0: The two things that are mostly happening in the narrative of the episode is the twin skateboarders that basically want to take Jimmy for money. So you've got a big stunt that -hmm. you you Mm -hmm. shot here. Right. Um, And the other thing is really important is Jimmy's home situation with Chuck his brother Chuck
1: which is a big mystery exactly yes so let's and I'll uh, just say because I've talked to people who've watched the episode it really is a big mystery to people
0: but the thing is that's interesting okay so you but guys but I, I want to add okay, something which yeah. is
1: that it's a real thing that what he's experiencing and what he's suffering with is a real phenomenon it's not something you guys made up
2: do you guys talk about it ever or do you, do you kind of
4: keep it close to the vest so I remember somebody saying the name of it when we read the script, that it was a real thing. Or maybe it was even in the script. I can't remember. I don't. I have to it's say... It's until the
1: third episode that you really get it sort of completely yeah.
4: clear.
3: Not, that's a good, yeah. But I don't know if it's ever named. Well, that's And that's a good question, Chris. But I recall us kind of making up this malady and then, mm. as you asked, Chris, realizing that mm. it was real. Yes,
2: that's right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my
3: right. recollection of it. We thought, wouldn't it be interesting if... And I don't think this is a spoiler. Like you were just saying, that uh, they've only, folks listening to this have only watched, uh, at least theoretically, only watched the first episode, and 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 it is not named as you just said, right. Bob. What what the malady is, but it is an allergy to electricity, which I think is. Implicit, if not uh, very. explicit. I just
0: watched the episode last night. It's very, very, very implicit. Yeah,
1: I think it could slide by you. You guys would be being <laughs> no. I, I I get it that no. if you're paying attention and you going, wait, wait, I want to know what this is, but yeah. you don't realize when you watch it, it kind of goes by. Yeah, because I've talked to a lot of people yeah. who've seen it who are like, so wait, what's going on there? They yeah. they didn't it's, catch it. You right.
4: know, this is this is the great freedom but that we have. We we weren't forced to do a regular pilot yeah. where you have to explain everything. Right this now. is the first episode out of yeah. out of 10 for the season. So we're able to have a little more flexibility to let things unfold. It's the a lanterns. very weird setup. Yeah. It is. It but,
1: is but full of questions from people. It is, yeah. but
3: let me offer this thought. You're both right in the sense of it's easy for it to wash over people. So they say, what the hell was that? By the way, it can also wash over people that this guy played by the wonderful Michael McCann is mm. even Jimmy's brother. Mm-hmm. Because the word brother is never uttered and 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 that was on purpose on the other hand if you watch very closely you look at the wires pulled out of the wall you look at the coleman lanterns you can figure it out but here's the beauty for me and i want to give Hats off to uh, to Sony and AMC. Uh, I want to give a tip of the hat to them because, let me tell you, I've worked for other networks that, you know, if they got this script that we wrote, they'd be like, wait a minute, you gotta explain this. You have to have the scene where Jimmy says to Chuck, Chuck, how long have we been brothers? How long has it been since you had you had your terrible, you came down to your terrible allergy to electricity? I, I cannot tell you how many places, not to ding on anybody else, but it's like to me, whether you get it or you don't, who cares? Right and, 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 and let me be precise when I say that. Yes, ultimately, when it's all said and done, when you've watched the whole run of episodes, you know mysteries should be uncovered, uh, your curiosities should be satiated. But the first episode of any series exists to make you want to watch the, the second, second episode. Yeah. And I can't tell you, so much of the notes, network notes are, you know, we got to have an arc, we got to have everything has to be explained. Uh, in the first episode, or else they won't come back. No. If you explain everything in the first episode,
1: yeah, that's why they're... would
3: anyone come back? You know? Yeah. It's like, come on already. Why is this? This is not rocket science. You, right. you leave people wanting more. You know, your character has to have an arc in the first 47 minutes, you know? It's, uh, no. That's what the second episode, that's <laughs> what episodes 2 through 100 are for. Right. Otherwise, why are we doing them? Right, right, So crazy. But But thank God for someone in AMC. They haven't been honest about that.
0: You set up this scenario where he's living in a very unorthodox way. Yeah. And we find out that Jimmy has been supporting Chuck and also that, you know, there is an issue with Chuck's law firm. Yeah. And the fact that Chuck helped build this law firm, but yet he he's going to get better and he's going to go back to work. Tell me, Bob, what you guys think? Because I'm thinking that he believes that, that Chuck may not get
1: better. Just what do I think, Yeah, he thinks? yeah, yeah. I think he thinks there's no end in in, in sight nearby. Right. I mean, well, it's very slippery what they're doing.
4: Yeah, yeah. But
1: at the same time, it's done in a way that is not very slippery. By the, Patrick, yeah, who is so great. Patrick Fabian, Fabian, so great. Playing everything playing Howard Hamlin, you guys talking about Howard character, what you yeah. wanted to see, I see that when yeah. I see that first episode. Yeah. He doesn't... He's not grinding Jimmy, you know? He seems to... You're like, he's the bad guy because he's working against the lead who yeah. we have some sympathy sure. for. Yeah. But he, he... I don't think... I mean, maybe he's not a bad guy. I mean, yeah, he yeah. seems... Maybe he means it when he says we want him to get better and yeah yeah. and then as you examine that you go why wouldn't he mean it yeah chuck's a good lawyer and they need him and a big firm can handle uh somebody not you know being on a sabbatical sabbatical or whatever they can handle it yeah yeah. so why wouldn't he mean that he he seems to mean it and i i almost feel like you want to read the uh, duplicitous uh motives into patrick but you can't yeah. get them there they yeah. won't stick on his yeah, face yeah, yeah. He's and teflon great it's great um the other
0: thing i know we skipped ahead a little bit but the uh, we might as well talk about kim
3: the luscious Ray horn who plays kim <laughs> kim wexler you don't really know her we last name we barely get to know her
1: in the first yeah and there's, barely, there's yeah.
0: but there's a very obvious history there
3: there seems to be again. Again, that's our philosophy of let's let's intrigue people. Let's not answer all the questions. But, but yeah. there's
1: clearly some. Your point's a good one. That off very little interaction with Jimmy, they're uh, familiar. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. There's a lot of, and you guys <laughs> have such chemistry together. Uh, suffice it to say, the character of Kim will be uh, very important uh, as the episodes progress. And you you two have such a lovely chemistry together. But Ray but, is uh, amazing.
1: It's just funny.
3: Ray is indeed amazing. We find out that um, these two twin skateboarders Oh, uh, Daniel and Stephen Levine. One wonderful guy, young guys. I don't know that they've ever acted before. Uh, they're, they're young guys who put themselves on tape in uh, New York City. Uh, they can't skate a lick uh, so they're
0: not doing the
4: skating. Oh
3: no! A couple of wonderful stunt uh, wow, stunt that, doubles. They did train. They we they, got, they worked very they, hard to they learn. They were
4: in New York with a coach, yeah. and we would get video of yeah. them skating around parks in, they, in New York. I and overstated. As, as they, it. They, as they learned as quite As a they bit. did learn, yeah. they learned to a uh, mountain dismount. It was that, but it was uh, we we knew that those were the guys as soon as we saw. Oh, there, these guys are so in, funny. They sent in they sent in an audition tape, which is kind of indelible, which yeah. included. VFX and and they said at one point they said okay now we're gonna you want to see a skate here we go and they they digitally inserted their heads yeah over Uh uh, oh, oh, oh this is by the way actors this is not something you should necessarily do. Uh, it only it, works it, it, the one time. It only time. works the one. It's one of those tricks <laughs> the only, But they 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 did a little uh, VFX and put their heads onto uh, these amazing skateboard yeah, stunts. Yeah, Because yeah. I beauty. think Daniel
3: yes. makes his living, I think, working in animation and uh, digital animation. But
0: now, just but, to say though that this was at the behest of a casting well, director. Well, the I'm wonderful assuming. Sharon
3: and Sharon Russell uh, who cast from you know LA and New York did the casting on Breaking Bad and then Kira Ari and her team do the New Mexico casting. All all of them. Indispensable on Breaking Bad and now on Better Call Saul. They they put the word out and all over and they got those fellows out of New York to put themselves okay. on tape. Okay. And these guys are great. There is one moment where you see one of them and they, they work very hard to learn how to skate, but it's not something you can learn easily, especially when you're like six foot ten or whatever they are and your center of gravity is very, very high. Uh, it's not something you can learn overnight, but one the moment when Lars first appears after his brother Cal has been hit uh, by Jimmy that first time, you see him skate in. That's the only time you see either brother actually skate, even <laughs> even a foot. Everything else is stunt, stunt. doubles and okay. Texas swaps. Like there's a scene in the bowl, the swim. The, yeah, the, that one. That's that a like... that's a stunt double, and he skates out of sight. And then uh, the actor Daniel comes running. But I in. stopped
0: it in the middle of that, you know, that little 180 that he does on that wall, and I was like, because I thought, wow. Oh yeah, I the those stunt doubles do were it. great. They yeah, did no, a great. He, and the
3: guy who did right. the he stunt double like who did the hit, who did the actual, the the hit uh, when Jimmy hits. uh, uh, cowl uh that's a, a digital effect and beautifully uh, rendered by uh, bill yeah, pulowski and remember really it. well it really done but, yeah, but the other good. hit the other hit uh when abuelita hits uh hits the kid that is a real stunt that guy that is an old school yakima kanut type stunt that is that kid <laughs> did such a great job and when he hit I'm, I'm literally like time slows down for me as a director because the buck stops with the. I mean, if this poor guy had been hurt and bam, he hits this thing, it, you think it's fun, you think it's gonna be fun when you direct a stunt. It's really not because. You're asking someone to do something. Speaking for myself, you're asking something to do something that you yourself would not do and are not capable of doing. <laughs> and when this kid hit this windshield and destroyed it, by the way, the you windshield could. was not supposed to crack. It was not in the script that the windshield broke. Was, but oh, he well, really broke. He really, he really <laughs> broke a real windshield with his body, and he falls down and collapses on the on the ground. And that every time slows down, and uh, you're not sure whether to yell cut yet because. And, and also there's a high sign the guy's supposed to give you if something's really messed up, but maybe he's so messed up he can't even give the high sign. And you're like, and you want to, you greedily want to wait to call cut because you know in the editing room you might need that extra footage. you know, But on the other hand, you're like, God, if this guy's really messed up, I don't want him lying there one second longer than he has to before the ambulance shows up. And then it's like, you yell cut and then, uh, and then the guy gives a high sign, and everybody bursts out in applause. And this guy, this young man, is ready to do it again, a second time. And I'm like, "No way!"
4: And, you know, he did. That was a one take deal. I, I, and I believe that it, the way it ended up, the where he where he landed, wasn't exactly as scripted. No, and I remember well, you called me. Yeah. Because that was a, that was a scene. That 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 I had written. Yeah. And and you you said you know is it okay if and also the, car, the windshield was yes, to if if, Yes. Yeah. Is it okay if the windshield's broken and he's in the wrong place? Because I really don't want to make this guy do it again. Yeah,
3: I, I would not. And you said yes, yes. and, and yeah. uh, luckily it worked out great. Yeah. And and Skip McDonald, uh, our other wonderful editor aside from Kelly Dixon, just cut the living shit out of that scene mm-hmm. as he did the whole episode. Yeah. Just edited it beautifully. Yeah. Beautifully edited uh, episode. I can't wait to see it again. You know what? And I guess we better—not to speak for you—but we're getting a high sign. We're like, we're almost, should we're an almost hour. there. Should we should skip ahead there. to the big and, surprise?
4: And we, have, the we have we no, have special special guests coming for the next episode. Yeah, no, we're almost there. they are
3: here.
0: The um, only thing I I just wanted to say that you know so Jimmy gets out of the car and realizes that they're trying to scam the scammer. Yeah. And then he he like figures out a way to use them to get to the Kettlemans. Yeah. And I love the scene that you, you've you got him in a skate park. Mm-hmm. And I love the, the line where they're like, how did you find us? And, <laughs> and you open up
3: wide to this. You know. And, and uh, <laughs> Tony Fanning and his crew gave us a great brushed aluminum uh, sign that says skate cut out, you know, laser cut out of a piece of sheet of aluminum. And, and, and the uh, the grips put it right. That that's that, That's a real skate park you can go skate at in Albuquerque. But that sign is not real. They, we put the sign exactly where we needed it, so that the the two kids are in between the legs of the A or wherever it was. That was that was a, that was a fun shot to get.
0: But we basically get a little bit of history on Slippin' Jimmy and how he used to do slip and falls on the ice. I love how you guys, because I grew up in Chicago. Yeah. And I love how you guys say. Yeah, State Street was okay. Michigan Avenue was better.
3: Well, that's because of yeah, Mr. Odenkirk. Right. That was his <laughs> expertise. That was
4: actually that was I think that was the one note that I remember uh, that Bob that you gave us on on the uh, on the pilot script was I think I had written that scene with some different landmarks. Lower set. Lower Wacker Drive. yeah, I had something of else. Because of the Blues Brothers. I had to, well, yeah, you know, I like the well,
3: way it sounded.
1: Down I Love there saying well. Lower Wacker. And but you 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 were suggesting no one would notice you down there except a couple of like, there, loading there, dock workers and they gotcha. there were kick a couple, in the face.
4: There were actually a couple of places we're going talk later color. where Bob, Bob
0: gave, us kick in gave us the color. Yeah. But um, so, uh, so we basically get the, the twins uh, deciding that uh, they're not going to use Jimmy. Jimmy's frantically chasing, trying to find them in the car. Yep. And then we get your big reveal and your big reveal is Miho or a.k.a. Tuco, which you never actually say in in the show, in in episode one. We just see his face, like, right at the very end. That's right.
3: Um, And and God bless him for agreeing to have his name, uh, Mm -hmm. because SAG rules allow for an actor of his caliber, not just allow, but kind of demand uh, that his name be up front. Right. Uh, And if his name had been up front in the credits, it would have ruined the, uh, for a lot of viewers, keen-eyed viewers, it would have ruined the surprise. So he... Raymond, very graciously uh, let us put let us put his name in the rear in the in the end credits, which we appreciate very much.
2: It was such a secret
0: that even in, in internal conversations, emails, we were everything, not allowed to never call him to Tuko. His Tuko, yeah ever just um, say Miho, yeah. Yeah. Mijo, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess you know that that brings us to the end of good end of episode one, I suppose.
3: And this and this was this uh, overlong podcast. We apologize. <laughs> the plan was for this to be forty-five minutes, and obviously, psych. We, we, I
0: knew that was never going
3: to happen. I, I kind of did you know, too. Whatever. And and I'm sorry for all the stuff we didn't talk about.
0: But we uh, will.
3: But we will get yeah, to will. it. Yeah, we'll get to it. Thank you, everybody,
0: for uh, listening. I mean, I uh, I said um, on my Twitter feed at Kelly Dixon, which is uh, K E L L E Y D I X O N. Uh, I said a while ago, people were asking me a long time ago, was I going to do it? And I think sometime around September, I said that was the plan. For a while there, I was nervous that we weren't going to yeah, do me it. Too. Um, but we are doing it. So um, we got one done at least. Thank you, yeah. everyone, for listening. And uh, we will be back next week with uh, the continuation of. I guess episodes one and two sort of play as a sort of a two-parter. They're actually going to air this year on Sunday, February 8th, and Monday, February 9th. And I believe the show is going to be a Monday night show. Is that the case? That's what I've heard. The show is going to be airing on Monday nights. Yes.
3: Um, I think it's real smart on AMC's part because Sunday has gotten too crowded. There are too many great, great shows on Sunday night on all networks and thanks thanks everybody so listening for uh,
4: for following us to monday night
3: yes thank you please do remember monday night no no more sundays after this first one <laughs> no the next one's on the
1: end of the season to watch them all at once <laughs> and thank you and don't thank fast you. forward over the
4: commercials thank yes. you in fact watch
1: for commercials god's sake twice. <laughs> thank you Vince. A and peter ends, go back watch it again and then start again exactly <laughs> thank
0: you yes. Vincent peter Thank, Thank you. you Bob for uh, for coming and visiting us today. Thanks. Thank you Chris. Thank you.
3: Um and uh,
0: so everybody we should say this together. That that's, that's going to be the thing this time. We're going to say it together, right? Well, wait a minute before we do. Should we
3: say better or, or should we just say blah blah? I don't even know what blah blah means. Should we just better say better call Saul or just call Saul? No, better call. Gotta I think sound. better call Saul. Got to get the better in there. Look, like if, if you say if you uh, are you saying I if you say you better like and then we all it. say it, it. Like, All right, I've heard folks. like it say it like who he say it says it to it. me on the streets. All right. Yeah. Got to right. get right. Sal.
1: Better off Sal <laughs> <laughs> so <gotta> your... <laughs> Can't wait for a got to get it's... Sal Got to get, <laughs> Sal. <laughs> 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 gotta get no. Sal well, you're going to have to wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: like, <laughs> actually, you know, you know what? You know what? I take it back.
0: Now that we have Bob here, we might not have Bob here for every single one. Pretend you were still Saul Goodman and do it for us, please and we'll use it every time.
2: Better call Saul. Yeah!